with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good day, Prince George. Uh, welcome to After 9, or After 9, Monday morning wake-up call. This is Zaka Wiley here with uh, Phyllis Warren and Alan Wishart on hey. the audio. Thanks for joining me today. We are going to be talking, you know, my favorite topic and most probably annoying thing, but in the forefront of most people's minds these days is healthcare. So we have with us on the air today is Stuart Parker. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for coming on. Good morning. Glad to be back. Yeah, right on. I'm glad you're back too. So we have this thing that's quite an amazing thing that we imagine we have, I believe. It's called universal healthcare. And uh, it's a kind of a conundrum when we have uh, facilities and opponents to it, like WCB and ICBC coming in with these no-fault things, and ICBC adding uh, uh, 20% better care. What's going on with all this stuff? Where does universal health care stand in the midst of all these well, what uh, I call atrocities, sorry. Um, the Medicare system is, you know, it's a set of national, it's a set of provincial cost shared programs. The idea of no fault insurance, which um, we've had for workplace insurance since the 1890s, um, is now coming to automobile insurance. And what that means in practical terms is that, uh, is that the old practices that we had of uh, when we uh, went to court or had the recourse to the courts for auto accidents was that the courts had laid down a system where um, it was the job of the um, driver at fault or the driver at fault's insurance company to pay for the long-term at-home care of uh, people who are injured. Uh, at no fault of their own. What has changed with the arrival of no-fault auto insurance is that we will be shunting more of the burden of care onto the public Medicare system. So what um, what's going to happen is awards will get smaller and the guarantee of at-home care um, typically disappears in no-fault programs. And that means that people who are disabled um, are more likely to end up in long-term care facilities rather than be cared for at home. And more of their medical needs are going to be met through the public system of medical insurance or of, of, um, of Medicare. So what that means is the provincial government will be able to lower auto insurance costs by shunting more of the burden of uh, caring for people onto the um, uh, onto Medicare and onto long-term care. Now, of course, we all know that long-term care in this country is in crisis, that we have saw so many deaths in long-term care facilities, in part because many of the people living them are, in them are elderly, but in part because these uh, facilities are typically run uh, by charities or private corporations on government contracts. And the profits of those private corporations and the security of those nonprofits' contracts is based on them keeping their costs low. 
And so that means that um, people working in long-term care facilities are often not unionized, and even if they are, they're often paid as little as half or a third what a government employee would be paid to do the same job. So there's lots of corner cutting in that system. And I think it's pretty dangerous right now to place additional stresses on that system as no-fault insurance rolls out. You'll note that when people suffer workplace injuries um, through WCB, we know a lot about how no-fault treats people who are permanently disabled. Uh, It does not uh, guarantee care in the home, and its awards are significantly smaller than a system where people have recourse to the courts. And I want to make clear here that the idea is not for people to have to go to court. It's that the fact that people have recourse to the courts causes um, an insurance monopoly like ICBC to negotiate in good faith more and to offer larger settlements so as to avoid being taken to court. One of the reasons ICBC's costs have shot up under the B.C. Liberals was that the Liberal Party cut a lot of the um, cut a lot of funds from ICBC and placed cases in a, in a position where they were more likely to end up in court. And so that was clearly an unsatisfactory system for everyone. Everybody's uh, settlements were being delayed. Everything became more adversarial. But rather than taking the time and the effort necessary to restore the original ICBC system, uh, the government has, um, has made this um, and run and has left us with a system that is going to stress our hospitals and stress our long-term care facilities more. And stress our disabled because uh, that's that's a huge issue and as it is now there's many, many cases of WCB that are just shunted off onto the social assistance program of basic welfare disability. And people should know that in the province of British Columbia, I believe it's one of two, Saskatchewan and BC, that the disabled in this province are taken care of by the Ministry of Social Services, not by a disability. Uh, in fact, we, are, as a disabled, are put in line with the welfare people every day, you know, uh, that uh, and are treated in such that we are denied medical treatments that are necessary. And this is an experiential learning curve that I've found um, the NDP government, are they're kind of the ones that uh, hacked us all up a long time ago, eh, when Lois Boone was in here? and Yeah, exactly. And well then, remembered. Uh, it's the it, 1990s austerity programs, 1993 and 1995, where a lot of this changed. Yeah, and then came the liberals who just seemed to capitalize on it, and uh, there was a lot of to do with our doctors here in town. We had a big rally supporting them because at the time the doctors seemed to be the ones that were, you know, getting the brunt of all of this. But then it rolled off onto the backs of injured workers and people dealing with the ICBC system, um, all to be thrown back on the universal. So I just am curious, why are we creating these monopolizing systems that actually debilitate our our province and and uh basically 
take people out of the tax roll and put them on disability. Why, why do we do that? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a multi-part thing. The first thing is every every province has got a category of of, uh, of people who get social assistance who are disabled, and the uh, and the quest the problem is that when, as you suggest, you dis- you separate this departmentally, people are looking at disabled people through the lens of welfare recipients rather than seeing their monthly income as part of a program of health care they're receiving. So that's certainly an issue. The, um, uh, you know, that, that we, we do better uh, when we have a healthy insurance system that is not a no-fault system, but is one where there is a check on state accountability through the courts. Now, why did we let it get so bad? Well, the B.C. Liberals had always planned to privatize ICBC and um, were proceeding in that direction. But the way you build public support for privatization is to take a government service and run it into the ground. Truly, You intentionally mismanage it until people are so angry they join you in inviting the private sector in. But we know from the experience in Ontario, in Alberta, everywhere where you have a regulated oligopoly of private insurance companies, you get bad outcomes because you're essentially getting the same um, – you're – you're essentially getting what ICBC became under the BC Liberals, only you have to also factor in corporate profits. And so the system is as dysfunctional as it was uh, under Gordon Campbell and Christy Clark, but actually much more expensive as well in order to accommodate that competition. Where we see good uh, treatment of disabled folks is um, in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. As much as the Saskatchewan party has wanted to dismantle Saskatchewan government insurance, as much as Brian Pallister and his Tories have wanted to dismantle Manitoba public insurance, uh, the reality is that those systems are still running uh, like ICBC used to run. And we have to remember how well ICBC ran in the 1970s and 80s, where it had its own auto repair shops. So if your vehicle was damaged, you brought it into ICBC, and they would repair it while assessing the insurance uh, on the vehicle and how much you had to pay for versus how much they or other drivers had to pay for. You had enough insurance adjusters that when an insurance adjuster made a settlement with an injured person, that injured person would stay on their caseload so that you could go back to your adjuster and say, hey, I'm not getting what was promised here in the deal. And the adjuster wasn't just managing adversarial interactions. They were also functioning as a person administering a set of programs and health interventions designed for the individual disabled person. And um, this is the sort of thing we're going to see. Um, but of course, now we're going to see uh, a system like workers' comp, where the primary purpose of workers' comp is to keep premiums down for employers. 
That was its stated purpose when it was introduced, first in New York State, and in every jurisdiction it spread to across the continent. It was brought in in the age of people, you know, the um, the big industrial changes in North America, people working in steel mills, people getting, you know, injured with considerable frequency, and there was a danger that our industrialization would slow down if we didn't find a way to protect employers from the courts looking at their labor practices. So I think that, um, so it's really, it's really unfortunate that we've, um, that David Eby has taken the shortcut that he has. I think the problem is that the NDP has this tendency, it governs with nostalgia, but it governs at a symbolic level with nostalgia. It doesn't look at present day situations. Publicly owned auto insurance is not an end in itself. It's a means to an end. And those ends have to do with the compassionate care of disabled people, investment in a road system that's safe, things like this. But the NDP is essentially preserving public ownership at the expense of all of the values public ownership is supposed to deliver. Absolutely. It definitely, definitely is. And and I thank you so much for framing it in that context. Um, we have a major problem here in this province, and people should realize that what's going to be happening with ICBC is detrimental to the lives of every person in this province. You look at the quality of our roads, you look at the quality of our health care, our imaging systems, and you will see that things are just not functional. Um, we got to take a little break here, Stuart, and we're going to be back in a, in a minute or two. And thank you. You'll hold on to the line, will you, buddy? Okay, after nine, we'll be right back. Hi, this is The Wolfman. Few entertainment genres have captured our imagination and been as successful as the good old-fashioned musical. From their vaudevillian roots to today's blockbusters, musicals have provided generations with a stream of memorable productions, show-stopping performances, and larger-than-life personalities. Join me for a unique adventure as we trip the light fantastic across more than a century of musical theater, from Broadway to the West End and all points in between. On with the show, Sunday afternoons at 2, only on Boomer Radio 93. Point one FM. Canada Post is sending a free prepaid postcard to every Canadian household to help citizens stay connected during the continuation of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's all part of their Right Here, Wrote Now campaign established by Canada Post in September to encourage letter writing as a means of connection. Six different versions of the postcards are being randomly sent to each household featuring a message of appreciation, love and thanks. When you receive yours, send it along to a family or friend, free of charge, courtesy of Canada Post. The Elder Citizens Recreation Association is holding their annual tomato plant sale today. The price for this year's plants is $4 each. The plants will be sold out of the west parking lot to maintain social distancing. All proceeds will go to ECRA. Get a jump on this season's gardening with tomato plants from the Elder Citizens Recreation Association today from 10 to noon at the ECRA on 10th between Vancouver and Winnipeg. Forecast from Environment Canada. Cloudy today with a 70% chance of showers this afternoon and a risk of thunderstorms. Wind from the southeast to 20, gusting to 40 this afternoon, a high of 11. Cloudy with a 70% chance of showers this evening. Wind from the west to 20, gusting to 40, becoming light near midnight. Clearing overnight with a low of 2. For Tuesday, mainly sunny. Wind from the west to 20 in the morning at a high of 12. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. 
Well, good day, good day, and once again on After 9, it's Echo, Phyllis, and Alan here. Um, we're talking about the uh, changes coming to ICBC and how that can affect us. Um, it's a scary, scary thing. Anybody the, anybody out there, you talk to your friends, you think about all the things that you've heard about the nightmares that they've had to do with the Workmen's Compensation Board and how they deal with medical, and ask yourself, how does this play out? How am I being denied treatments? Um, I go in to get a cast. The cast that they're going to give me that my medical doesn't, uh, doesn't pay for is the cast that's going to help my foot heal. So I either have to pay $85 for a cast that's insufficient to heal my foot or, you know, or go without it healed. Um, people don't realize that these types of things are going on. And when you're injured, disabled, you're hurt, you're not able always to get to work, get to money, pay for these insurances that you're supposed to have. And, and it ends up being a nightmare. And on top of it now, Stuart, ICBC is adding this, um, uh, 20% better. What, what is all that about? You were researching. I'm sorry, that. I, I, I I had hoped to be able to get to that this weekend, but unfortunately, I'm moving house. Oh, and goodness. So well, I, uh, I haven't been able to get to that. But there's one other area that I, I wanted to mention, um, which has to do with um, uh, one of the other consequences of moving to a no-fault system, which has to do with this will not be the last time the provincial government will have to intervene to deal through statute to deal with problems at ICBC. One of the things that you find in provinces where uh, no fault, uh, where you have um, a, uh, where where you have this kind of adversarial, low-paying system, is that there's a greater need for the pro- provincial government to then use statute to limit awards. Um, so the um, so when you've got um, when you've got a no-fault system, it then becomes primarily the government's job to determine what people, uh, what levels of compensation people receive. And so you can't just let your insurance monopoly go off and do whatever they want uh, because you don't know how much they'll underpay people by. So you end up having to create all kinds of arbitrary provincial laws setting minimum and maximum compensation for different kinds of losses. So, for instance, in Alberta, you see they have a much more sharply defined Family Compensation Act to determine the minimum and maximum benefits for wrongful death suits. That's what happens when you starve a system and um, that you end up having to make additional pieces of legislation where legislators, rather than uh, where legislators are asking political questions about how much is this dead person worth or how much is this injury worth, rather than having that worked out by the courts in consultation with medical professionals. So this will, uh, so bringing in no fault will be the first of a series of pieces of legislation that will start affecting death benefits and other types of benefits in all areas of insurance, even those that haven't been switched to no fault. So we have to recognize that, um, you know, this is the beginning of a cascade of politicization of people's injuries and deaths 
that is not going to stop with one law. It's going to have to carry on. And so even if you are injured or a friend or relative dies in an accident unrelated to the workplace and unrelated to an automobile, these these likely future pieces of legislation will come to define how much you're compensated. And it will likely not be in your favor. It will likely be in the favor of the insurance company. Truly, truly, because uh, one thing that I've noticed about the no-fault is they're able to just out and outright deny. They are able to deny that you have an injury, um, and within our medical system, we have problems to do with imaging and testing and, and timely work and, and uh, legitimacy of backing up medical information. We were prom- promised a multidisciplinary medical system. Well, the discipline seemed to be in the legal ways of saying, no, you're not getting treatment, which just compiles a problem that uh, continues. Yeah, well, you brought up imaging, and I think imaging is a very interesting area where we've fallen down um, in modernizing. I think that, um, so the number of imaging devices per capita here is um, very small. Um, We really have not invested in MRI technology on the scale that other jurisdictions have, and a lot and some of that strangely enough has been motivated by how we've chosen to license uh, people doing acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine Um, in China acupuncturists and TCM physicians work heavily with x-ray and MRI technology because this this kind of medicine is understood to be a form of modern medicine that is focused on electrical impulses in the body That's why acupuncture works. That's why TCM works in many cases. And so in China, people like that have been resourced with the imaging technology necessary to do their job well. Here, we see TCM and acupuncture as, like cool new age magic things from the Chinese past (laughs) and people have to like take your pulse and wear weird outfits and look all mystical while they do this work and of course there's something a little bit racist about working that way but on top of that it means that we have a whole branch of our healthcare system that is technologically under resourced all the time Uh, acupuncturists I know who have moved here from China um, have left the business within five years because they're not interested in putting on a new age show for uh, Westerners. They're interested in getting to the business of making sure your nervous system works properly using empirical evidence and proper proper devices. So uh, I think it's very important to recognize that um, and of course, that brings an objectivity to your health care, right? It allows you to, um, it allows you, if you're not getting satisfaction from the traditional system, to go to a practitioner who's working in a different discipline, and they can present to court, not just with their opinions, but with the kind of medical images and, ba- and backup that you need in order to operate in a judicial context. And, of course, that's part of that larger problem of creating a situation where 
instead of things, instead of there being this backstop of the courts judging things on objective standards, you have a sort of um, abusive parent kind of government that tells you it loves you all the time, but then do, makes you do these weird, twisted things. Absolutely. I I completely concur because as a past federal government employee who was basically done by the government, uh, it, it is very tough. I mean, it's it's very tough. And then I hear I speak with other folks because, of course, I've been an advocate for for injured workers for going on 30 years now. And uh a fellow I spoke with in Saskatchewan, he he stated to me that Saskatchewan has a thing that WCB or their WorkSafe, let's say, has to uh, fund. In fact, equally, and every MRI that WCB there does, they have to pay for one. This is part of their payment contract. They have to pay for one in the public system. So what they're finding there is that they are avoiding doing proper imaging so and and just not giving the people the MRIs and things they need because they don't want to have to pay for the one in the public service. Um, that's that's quite a horrifying thought that at the power of what these folks are able to do with a unilateral uh, ability to quash people's cases, deny things that medical uh, professionals would be stating are needed, and then somehow these adjudicators within these no-fault systems that that just seems to get lost and waylaid. Oh, you know what, Stuart, hang on for a sec, because we've got to take a quick break here, and because and, I'd like to hear the answer to this, so I'll kind of reiterate that question when we come back. But um, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and you got time to come back with us, do you? Yeah. Outstanding. Sure. Okay. Indeed, we will be back with more After 9. It's been more than a year since the coronavirus profoundly changed our lives. The devastating impact has been felt deeply by people living with dementia and their caregivers. The Alzheimer's Society of BC encourages those dealing with dementia to receive the vaccine as soon as possible. Visit their official website for the most up-to-date information on vaccine distribution and timelines at alzbc.org slash immunization. If you have questions or concerns about your personal situation, contact your doctor or other health care provider. Join Danae Carrier artist Crystal Bendetti online for one, two, or three evenings of beating. Zoom in for two hours Tuesdays at 7 to learn the technique and experience the calming effect of the process. The first week's class will teach you to create a beaded card holder. For full details or to register, contact the gallery, check out their Facebook page, or visit tworiversgallery.ca. Beating classes with Crystal Bendetti, Tuesday evenings at 7 via Zoom. Rising temperatures means rising water. Take time now to prepare your property, home, and family in the event of flooding. Have a grab-and-go kit ready in case you have to leave your home quickly. Pay attention to local media for flood warnings. Keep a safe distance away from fast-flowing water. And prepare personal emergency supply kits for your home, car, and work. Learn more about preparing for possible flooding on the Regional District website. Think ahead and be ready. Visit rdffg.bc.ca today. The 7th Annual UNBC Timberwolves Legacy Breakfast is a go. Stanley Cup winning coach John Cooper will headline this year's virtual morning event. The Legacy Breakfast serves as a major fundraiser for UNBC athletics with every dollar raised going towards scholarships and bursaries. Tickets are $60 each or $800 for a green and gold corporate package. For tickets, visit unbc.ca slash legacy dash breakfast. The 7th Annual UNBC Timberwolves Legacy Breakfast, 7th 
7.30 Wednesday morning. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good day, and thank you for joining me here again with After 9. This is Echo Wiley. I've got Stuart Parker on the line, and we are talking about our BC medical system and what what the little sly devils are up to, because uh, I can assure you our future does look a little bit dim. Now, we were talking about imaging and uh, how the places like WCB and ICBC um, have negotiations on how to pay into the public system. Stuart, have you heard anything about uh, improper imaging? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really... Uh, I mean, I, I've, I've not been uh, ahead on that file in terms of its management within the public system. Um, I mean, that, uh, that buy one, get one uh, policy is certainly different than what we have here. Here, we tend to have um, not just shortages of imaging tech, we have um, shortages of imaging professionals. So you have situations where, some, um, in the case of the Cowichan Valley, a, um, an imaging machine was donated to the Duncan Hospital, and it just sat there because um, there, um, uh, there was not a uh, radiologist uh, to, um, to administer the machine. So <clears throat> we have tended to, uh, and we're trying to solve that now, by, rather than by bringing in more radiologists, we're, um, uh, we're, go- we're giving greater diagnostic responsibilities to imaging techs. Now, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a book club with a great imaging technician. She uh, worked in the public system for decades, but not everybody is Margaret Byrne. And a lot of um, imaging techs are now being asked to engage in diagnosis and patient interaction that, is, that they haven't been trained for. And uh, so that's how we're cutting corners here. We're, um, uh, we're shunting the burden from uh, radiologists uh, to imaging techs because fundamentally, um, until we redo our international medical graduate system, there are going to be constant false shortages of doctors in the province. We need to move to a system like England's where the government and medical association work together to build community-based standards for whose medical degrees and whose medical trainings you accept. Because right now, we have what is frankly a fairly racist system. If you come from a country that does not have a white majority, uh, and if you are not white yourself, it's quite unlikely that your medical qualifications are going to easily transfer. You're going to have to redo far more of your medical pra- uh, degree and training than if you come, than if say you're a white South African who are pretty much waved right through the door. So there isn't a global labor shortage of uh, people, uh, there isn't a global labor shortage of doctors, 
but there is a false local labor shortage that um, stresses our system very heavily and that we need to resolve by breaking the power of the doctor's union to create these false shortages in order to um, keep the doctors who are here wealthy. Now, of course, not all doctors here are in it for the big bucks, but the candidates who have ended up being on their governing bodies have tended to operate with that financial interest, and there needs to be a government intervention to deal with that. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to have these false shortages and not even be able to use the technology that um, people are donating to their local hospitals in frustration. Yeah, yeah, and uh, making sure that these, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, imaging machines are being used properly. Um, uh, I've even been told that uh, most of the imaging done is a straight for, like, let's say, a whiplash. It's a straight neck. They just MRI you, let's say, straight laying flat, when in fact what is necessary to find a lot of fractures and breaks is to have a mobile image, which is your head tilted forward within it so that the they can see the um, problems within th- the image itself. Uh, my foot was broken in a weird position at one point, and I had to get sent back for like six x-rays because the x-ray tech couldn't get the angle that the doctor was looking for to see if my foot was healing. So, so how, how do we... How do we? What's our first step, Stuart? You as a politician or past politician, <laughs> well, I don't want to pig you with that. If my political ideas worked, everything would already be different. I, uh, I hear you, but, buddy. I uh, hear you. But on, but what I would say is, um, there are just some. There are some painful confrontations that have to happen. Um, one is that we have to, we have to stop. Um, kowtowing to the college and the medical association over international medical graduates. We have all kinds of people who are eager to come and work here, who are well qualified, whose qualifications are recognized elsewhere, and we um, we need to change the review of international medical graduates from something a private club does just to something that a citizen accountable body and a body that's accountable to all of us does. That's important. I think it's also important that we go back to the Supreme Court and we relitigate the ability to restrict urban billing numbers. Because right now, um, doctors clump up in the southwest corner of the city um, where they know people and, uh, you know, they may have gone to medical school to uh, be able to afford a house in Vancouver. Not that that's enough anymore. But um, rural, but we used to be able to ration urban billing numbers so that when new doctors came into the system, we'd say, fine, you're in the public system, but you could only bill for services in um, these parts of rural BC. And this was a very good method of maintaining service levels in rural BC. It got struck down by the Supreme Court, but that court challenge was 47 years ago. I think we can show that enough has changed and that the public interest is so clearly being undermined by the provincial government's inability to geographically assign assign billing numbers. That's important. I think we've got to stop um, this no-fault conversion, and instead we need to take stock of what was the total suite of services ICBC provided in the 1970s and 80s when the system worked, and what would it cost to 
build ICBC back up to being able to do that. It would require a significant one-time infusion of cash. But I think that is exactly the sort of spending a provincial government is for. When you can actually, why, why continue to debase ICBC when you can repair ICBC? And uh, finally, I think you're quite right when you suggested that it should be the Ministry of Health that is administering the care of disabled persons in this province. I think that's, that's pretty basic. And um, I think it would be really exciting if BC became the first North American jurisdiction to get rid of no-fault workplace insurance and bring back proper workplace insurance that is accountable to the courts. Amen. Amen, brother. And uh, I just say thank you. Thank you so much for your words. And I'm, I'm hoping people out there are heeding uh, because we are in for trouble, folks. If you um, don't believe me, you can listen to the last 34 years of my life and I will be fighting to make mine the challenge that hopefully brings these these uh visions of of clarity and value back to our system of medical and uh, doesn't allow for this continued uh, abuse of people. So thank Uh, you. I just want to say, I've got to go now, but I I wanted to also express thanks to everybody who's working in the healthcare system here in Prince George. You've taken us through a very uh, challenging period. I know that doctors and nurses are, especially nurses, are working crazy hours in demoralizing conditions. And um, the problem is certainly not in the employees we meet on a day-to-day basis. It's at the public policy level. And I commend everyone in the system who is trying to fill those holes and keep things running. Indeed, indeed. Well, thank you so much, Stuart Parker, for being on air with us. You are um, a blessing to this town. I will give you that and once again say thank you so much for your intelligent words. And uh, I hope that we can bring some guidance and understanding to everybody in this in this uh, system of medical that we have. Right back at you, Echo. You're doing good work. God's work. Thank you, my friend. You take care, and uh, thanks, Stuart Parker. We'll be back with more After 9 in a couple of minutes. Two Rivers Gallery is hiring an Indigenous programmer. Reporting to the Artistic Director, the programmer will work with the Two Rivers Gallery team to help take positive steps towards equity, diversity, inclusion, and accessibility through community engagement, relationship building, and interpretive planning. Candidates who self-identify as Indigenous will be prioritized. Full details on the position are available at the gallery and through the Join and Support link from the drop-down menu at tworiversgallery.ca. Studio 2880 and Arts North proudly announced the launch of the Arts North Digital Studio and Arts North Media. The studio is designed to provide creatives of all disciplines and other community groups the means to reach a broader audience through the creation of engaging art and content. For more information, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or via email, artsnorthbc at outlook.com. 
Turnover is a natural and healthy part of any organization. Pivoting during the pandemic is also an opportunity to change board perspectives in an effort to help your organization accomplish its mission. This concept and more will be covered in Vantage Point's Board Fundamentals, Succession and Recruitment. Pricing, registration, and full details on this informative presentation are available through thevantagepoint.ca. Board Fundamentals, Succession and Recruitment. Tuesday, May 11th from 5.30 to 8.30 through thevantagepoint.ca. Forecast from Environment Canada. Cloudy today with a 70% chance of showers this afternoon and a risk of thunderstorms. Wind from the southeast to 20, gusting to 40 this afternoon, a high of 11. Cloudy with a 70% chance of showers this evening. Wind from the west to 20, gusting to 40, becoming light near midnight. Clearing overnight with a low of 2. For Tuesday, mainly sunny. Wind from the west to 20 in the morning at a high of 12. It's after 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Welcome back here. We are uh, just going to talk some more about our medical system. And uh, just again, thank you, Stuart, for your amazing insights and uh, keep up the good fight. Well, there's been some goofy stuff going on, uh, you know, with Donald Trump in since 2016 and him trying to do the, you know, undermine the Obamacare and... Who knows all that stuff? But at one point, he, Trump got on the news and he stood up there after he shot down Obama's stuff and he coughed up the statement, who knew healthcare was so complicated? And for those words to come out of the mouth of Donald Trump, it just made me laugh, especially after the last 34 years of my trying to make people understand what was going on with these uh, policy-oriented systems that we have. Now, here's a quote from Donald Trump that I found yesterday as I was researching this stuff. And this is right from him. It says, in business, you don't necessarily need heart. Whereas here in government, almost everything affects people. So if you're talking about healthcare, you have to, you have healthcare in business, but you're trying to just negotiate a good price on healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. You're providing health. Here, everything, pretty much everything you do in government involves heart, whereas in business, most things don't involve heart. In fact, in business, you're actually better off without it. So what it seems to me is that the government is trying to, by way of policy, by way of interjection turn medical care into a business hey phyllis what do you what do you think about that that seems to be what's going on as they've capitalized medical care in canada which runs against the grain with everything we as canadians stand for and it seems to be an americanized ideal that we seem to be following with our health care as as um Stuart was saying if we followed England's uh, example a little more, or perhaps New Zealand's, or even Taiwan has an amazing medical care system. There's so many other things we could have looked at to, other than the Americans, especially by our population base. We're like 37 million people in America. Half of the capitalistic businesses within the United States won't even open up a store in Canada because we don't even have enough of a market. Do you know what I'm saying? So here we've got uh, some capitalism coming into our medical system based on policies which are driven by American ideals. We need to examine this. So 
what 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 do you think, Phyllis? Well, first of all, now we know what probably helped Donald Trump lose the election. <laughs> People realized he had no heart. Well, he of course, as a businessman, everyone was aware of that. Yeah. But um, you know, and some of the silly, ridiculous things that he did were just un, unconscionable. But in fact, I understand in some contacts contexts where some Americans were thinking that he could help them because yes. because i mean what he just said there makes sense but as a businessman he was heartless right yes in in and, every context so and that's the thing like people when he came into power were worried that he was going to run the government like his businesses and let's not forget he declared bankruptcy 11 times yeah and it was probably know? um his business acumen that people wanted to have come in and and that's fine for a, a 1.4 billion population you need to take care of business right right so so we're here in Canada. We're just suffering by these policies and and uh, capitalizing. Alan, what do you think? You you've always got a different political idea than I do. So well, I just want to mention one thing. You mm-hmm. said a population of 1.4 billion. Yeah. That's China. That's not the U.S. Oh, I thought it was. You were talking about Trump. There's no way he's in charge of 1.4 billion people. Yeah, they would. I want be to worse say off. the U.S. is. <laughs> 350 million at both yeah. um, I just was looking at this population thing here. And because there's only two countries that are over a billion. China is number one. India is number two. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. China is 1.4. India is 1.39. And you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> CBI, it's always fun, um, is uh, 3,300,000. No. 332 million. 332 million. Yeah, yes, so. there we go. So, I mean, really, and and we, they're number three in population, what? whereas we're like 37 or something the like US that. The U.S. is third in population? Yeah, that's what according to t- uh, top 20 largest countries by in- population What about live. Japan? What about Japan? Uh, what about Japan Indonesia? Is, what about Russia? Japan yeah. is 126 million. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thailand's sixty nine and we're at thirty seven. We're like yeah. way down on the on the okay. on the roll. There's something here, wrong but. with that because like Indonesia is a huge country population wise. Yes. Indonesia is two hundred and seventy five million people, which mm-hmm. is almost pretty close mm-hmm. to one million, not quite shorter than the than the US. Wow. And then Pakistan's at two twenty four. Okay. And wow. Brazil. And, you, you know, interestingly enough, you look at those countries uh, and they are the ones who are being hit the hardest by the COVID as well, right? Yeah. yeah. So so it's it's kind of, uh, it's, it's tough. But uh, it's time for us to take another quick break and we will be back more talking about BC Medical and stuff here on After 9. Tourism Prince George has a new brand. Rural Urbanity strikes a balance between outdoor adventure and urban amenities, showing off our authentic, distinctive personality and sense of place. The new branding is more in touch with our urban authenticity and cultural offerings. Downtown entrepreneur and passionate resident Evan Campbell has designed a limited edition t-shirt on sale at tourismpg.shop while supplies last. Check out the story of the design's development on YouTube. Rural Urbanity, a new brand for Prince George. The 2021 Census of Population is here. Complete your census online, by phone, or by mail. It's easy, safe, and important. Census information is vital for planning our communities. Everything from schools and public transportation to housing, hospitals, and employment training rely on census data. 
Learn more about the 2021 census today by visiting census.gc.ca. Your census, your community, your future. Last summer, as COVID-19 created economic hardship for creatives everywhere, a variety of charities were set up to offer assistance. With the backing of Songwriters of North American, the Songwriter Fund was created by songwriters for songwriters. With the repercussions of the pandemic continued to impact the music industry, the fund is still accepting donations as it gears up to provide another round of much-needed relief to songwriters. To learn more about the fund, or to apply or donate, visit songwriterfund.com. Hope Air is delighted to announce support from the Radisson Hotel Group to provide free accommodations for patients who must travel. Radisson Hotels has donated 5.8 million Radisson Rewards points, about 150 nights worth of accommodations. These rewards points will be used to book hotel stays for patients who are in financial need and have to travel long distances to reach medical care. The free accommodations program from Hope Air is in its third year. To find out more, visit their website at hopeair.ca. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right, here we are back talking about the medical system and the whole concept of ICBC putting in some kind of preferred medical Ah, that just sounds so horrifying. If anyone knows about how hard it is sometimes to get treatments and and uh, things to do with uh, your medical, it's just why would ICBC uh, customers get preference over you or I? Where is the logic to that? And and the thing is, is too when when Stuart was talking about acupuncture, working with MRI and stuff. I had heard a few years back that they were trying to make an alternative medical center where we had acupuncturists, we had therapists, we had um, chiropractors and um, naturopathic medicines and stuff like this, but they were worried it might not fly here. Well, we did have uh, our medical covering natural paths and things like that. And for some reason, uh, it all got phased out. There was even a point where acupuncture was being, if you, they started to deny people treatments through uh, BC Medical that were previously treated. You know, um, plastic surgeries for people who had facial, horrible facial deformities, things like that. If something was wrong with you that bothered you psychologically, you could get your your medical treatment cleared. And then they just started denying people services and and tried to offload on the private system. Um, There's a doctor uh, in Vancouver who was in a court fight in 2010 over private versus medical. And as patients, it's difficult for us because a doctor can go and take uh, money from the private or the public system, yet if we're given a decision by a doctor that isn't necessarily or forced into a physiotherapy treatment by one of these um, uh, non-fault insurance schemes, which they tend to do, they will force you into a regimen regimentated treatment, as Stuart was saying, that is uh, not beneficial to your health. What are you to do? And they have the right to deny you 
their services if you won't fall in and conform to their therapy uh, systems. It's, it gets very ugly, and unless you actually are within the system, it can be horrifying, it can be embarrassing and detrimental to your health when you're unable to access things that you actually need. And if you talk to your friends and neighbors who have been dealing with some of the problems within this system, you will start to to see it. So I'm in in a way calling for people to come to me the village idiom dot or the village idiom fifty four at gmail dot com just as it's spelled all in small capitals, the village idiom, I-D-O-M. Uh, I-D-I-O-M. Thank you, Alan, our newspaper guy, and me not, <laughs> obviously. So so I'm trying to um, get input from folks that speak to these, these issues and problems because they are so personal, embarrassing, and, and frankly, frightful. You, you are, are trapped. Uh, nobody really understands what's going on. And it's, it's difficult for folks, especially when you're, you're in a, you don't have a family or friends or, or some kind of legal advisor that is able to help you. And even then, if you do find someone that's a legal advisor, is it a conflict of interest? This is one thing I found as trying to fight. It was either um, trying to find a lawyer to to speak to WCB to try and and speak to my case. It was either, oh, there's no money in it, was one of the most famous lines I ever got, or, uh, oh, it's not worth the hassle, or um, they just are not interested, period, because they don't understand the administrative law that it needs. So you are, in fact, left out in the cold. It's a very difficult situation, and a lot of people don't really understand. So, now, One thing I would mention that was brought up earlier was about ICBC and the imaging and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's for an automobile accident, it covers everybody, because everybody has to be insured through ICBC, correct? Right. So ICBC can't say, well, we're going to give you an imaging thing and not you because you're not part of our group. Well, if it's an automobile accident, which is the only thing ICBC deals with, you have to be under ICBC. Right. It's it's the law. If you get hurt somewhere else, ICBC doesn't really care because it wasn't an automobile accident. That's not their jurisdiction. No, yeah, which, which of course yeah, so is – So they can't cut anybody off for an automobile accident because they weren't in the system. They are in the system automatically. And even the pay- okay, okay, and yeah, no, I'm just saying. Yeah. You, you would think that that's the way it works out, and now, and it may well be with ICBC, but now that they're turning to a no fault system, that's going to change. Things will be much different. Uh, the adjudicators that you're dealing with uh, on a on a daily basis will be the ones making the decisions on your claim, not a court of law. So, in fact, you end up with a system that deals with like a WCB case manager would be who has total jurisdiction over every decision that's made right up and through the appeal. Because trust me, folks, I won all three of my appeals at WCB, including my WCAT, and they still, the case manager, made a decision against the tribunal. So in fact, that's like your lawyer, or or, or the Crown Counsel, I apologize, making a decision against the judge who just made a, a decision on your, let's say, ICBC case. So then that person can just overrule it. And it has happened. It continues to happen. It is 
ungodly, un, unworthy, and of no value to any person in this province to have ICBC go to a no-fault insurance claim. And we need to concentrate on the problems that WCB reigns on the citizens of this province and look at it intently to see how the rest of us will be treated. Because this just isn't going to be our workers, our injured workers anymore. This is going to be your children. This is going to be your mothers, your fathers, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts and uncles that are all falling victim to a system that has done nothing for anybody in any situation, doctors, practitioners, anybody included. And you need to look at the uh, fact that people are going to be paid a lot of money to make some really, really scary, scary decisions about what's happening in our province. And I just want you all to hold on to that thought. And uh, it's, it's, it, I, I'm sorry for pontificating, yeah. but obviously this is a very important subject that will be affecting me. And trust me, I am, I am not in any way, shape, or form mistaken about this because I live it every day. No, I'm sorry. I wasn't laughing at what Echo was saying. Nope, I was I laughing know. at the fact that both she and Phyllis have spent most of this time looking out our very nice-looking window down here at the uh, studio yes. now. Well, it's it's Yeah, it's a, lot, it's a lot easier to see through because we've got a brand new sign for CFIS-FM 93.1. But um, there is a big picture window there. And, of course, we're right at the corner of Quebec and 3rd. So there's a fair bit of people watching you can do, and Echo and Phyllis have been doing that. <laughs> I, would, I think uh, Echo, I think it's Well, I care about people, yeah. and I want people to uh, know that this is what's going on behind their backs, within their lives, and to their friends and family. Uh, thanks, Alan, Phyllis, and especially Stuart for coming on today. We come to the end of the hour, and uh, please forgive me for pontificating, but know that I do it for your benefit and thanks and bye for now from after nine bye. after nine is a daily presentation of cfis fm after nine is produced by alan wishart reg fair and nathan gita additional contributors include cbc news and the national campus and community radio association for a rebroadcast of today's program check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca to provide feedback or suggestions for the show please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca Broadcasting at 93.1 on the FM dial, this is CFIS-FM Prince George. Proudly sponsored by local businesses like Timberline Footfitters on Victoria next to Wendy's.